sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. I want to speak to you about the an assortment of women. An assortment of women. Hallelujah. Now many people say, oh, all of us are the same. When we are talking about problems, we say, oh, all women are the same. But when the angel came to Mary, he said, blessed art thou amongst women. So all women are the same, basically. But you can choose to be a certain kind of woman if you allow God to work in your lives. The Bible also says to men, dwell with them according to knowledge. Hallelujah. Unfortunately and regrettably, many men do not go to the Academy of Womanology. Amen. But God advised them before the inception of marriage. He said that dwell with them. Not visit them, but dwell with us. So if you want to dwell with us, it's different. If you are visiting us, you are beloved, you are just coming and going. But when we are dwelling, then that one you need to enroll in that school. Hallelujah. She says, dwell with them according to knowledge. As unto the weaker vessels, and as being heirs together of the grace of God. This afternoon I may talk about it. I had realities of marriage, but that's not what we are talking about today. So, I think that many men just dismiss as they are complicated. Oh, they keep changing their goalposts. Oh, you can never please them. Honestly, my honest opinion is that women are very easy to please. You know? But men rather invest in the expensive things to please them. So, I have to buy a Benz, I have to buy this, I have to buy... But... I love you. I appreciate the way you look after my children. What would I do without your help? You have brought me far in my walk. All this will just ignite your home. But you feel that you have to balance the banknotes and no. So dwell with us according to knowledge. It's true that we need to be looked after. But Jesus said, these things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Amen. So I think that it takes knowledge to just understand. You know, when a woman comes and says, um, we need to talk. Then men get the jitters like, hey, a conference. What is it about? Whatever. But God made her to be verbal. Amen. And because Adam didn't have time for her, that's why the, the devil became a good substitute. 
Amen. And they were in the garden, but Adam didn't know where she was. Or what was happening in her life. So when she met the devil, the first thing the Bible said, the devil said, just saying, speaking to her and communicating with her. Say, hey, is it true? But if Adam had discussed it, you see, God says we shouldn't touch this tree. Because when we touch it, you know, we will die. And she would have asked Adam, is it true? And Adam would have said, yeah, I just think we should just obey God's word. But because of that gap, somebody else filled that gap. And an unfortunate somebody else. And the person said, has God said, a whole conversation, where was Adam? Amen. So men, please, as you write on your schedule, go to ministry, go and preach, go to hospital, go to the time with my wife. Put it on your schedule. Amen. Dwell with us according to knowledge. Women are like computers. What you put in them is what you get out. Amen. So invest in them. They are not saying that sit staring at them for hours. But just those few quality moments will make all the difference. You know, when I wake up in the morning, my husband comes to me and he makes me a cup of tea every day. And so, sometimes I even feel bad because I don't drink the tea. It just becomes cold. And I feel so bad, but maybe I'm praying or I'm reading my Bible, or, but he will make me that cup of tea. And then when I'm about and all that, you say, well, I have to go here. I have to, can I make you some toast? You see, it's just a few minutes, but it's quality time. And then as we drink the tea, we may even be reading our Bibles. Maybe he's sitting somewhere, I'm sitting somewhere, but we'll still talk. Do you see? So, sons. <laughs> Don't be too busy. But an assortment of women. Let's come back to our point. Now there are different, different types of women in the Bible. There's the woman with a familiar spirit. Amen. There's the wicked woman. He said about Jezebel and Natalia. That wicked woman. There's the gracious woman. And then there's the woman who is beautiful but without discretion. Then the woman whose heart and hands are nets and snares. It's also another type of woman. An assortment of women. So you don't have to write all. I'll, I'll say it as we go along. So let's first of all look at the woman with the familiar spirit. Okay. Let's turn our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus chapter 20. <laughs> I can't hear any shoutings anymore. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27. <laughs> Mercy. Leviticus chapter 20. You're always praising your secretary. You are always praising your attendant physician. When will you praise your wife? Anyway. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 27. <laughs> now a man or a woman who is a medium or a spiritist shall surely be put to death. 
They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. Amen. I'm just establishing the fact that the Bible is against medium, spiritist, people who have a familiar spirit. And then I want to take you to a woman who had a familiar spirit. First Samuel chapter 28. First Samuel chapter 28. Reading from verse 3. First Samuel. It's not in the New Testament. Oh. Even if you know the history of the Bible, it will help you to you know, the five books of Moses, after Moses came Joshua. Joshua had no success. After Joshua came the judges, where people did what was right in their own sight. And the time of the prophets, which is Samuel, then they asked for a king, so the king started. And then Chronicles. Okay, so that will help you to remember. First Samuel 28, verse 3. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums, and spiritists. So the Philistines gathered together and came and camped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they camped in Gilboa. When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servant, Seek for me a woman, not a man, who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. Then Saul disguised himself by putting on other clothes and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, Conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? And Saul vowed to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, there shall be no punishment come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped with a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and did homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me. And God has departed from me and answers me no more, either through prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may make known to me what I should do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? And the Lord has done accordingly as he spoke through me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David." As you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. 
Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Then Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground and was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. Also, there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day and night. Hallelujah. Now Saul was a man of God, chosen by God. And he had been constantly warned by God, don't do this, then he would do it. Don't do that, then he would. It's not only the doing, but he wouldn't even repent. You know, they said, go and kill the Amalekites. Kill everybody. And he says, oh, I left the choicest part to sacrifice to God. And I left their king. And someone said to him that, you have not done what the Lord said. I have done what the Lord said. And someone said, what is the bleating of goats and sheep like here? He said, oh, it's the people. And also it was to sacrifice. And then a very important word was said that to obey is better than to sacrifice. And many times to obey is more difficult than to sacrifice. Amen. Amen. And so when that happened, Samuel, who was a priest and a prophet, has to leave what he was doing to come and kill the king. So when we don't do what God asks us to do, we create unnecessary and extra work for other people. And that does not help. And so Saul, being the man of God that he was, had taken all these mediums, people with familiar spirits. He had, he had wiped all of them out. But then at a point, he was not hearing from God. The Bible says he will, he will talk to God. God will not answer. You know, the Spirit of God does not strive with us forever. At a point, he says, look, do what you want to do. And sometimes, even in relationships, you have to get to that point. You have talked, don't do this. If you do that, this. I don't like this. And you are on and on. Become like God. Just give it up. Leave it. Don't strive with man forever. Leave it, you know. Because that's also something that God does. Well, now Samuel too was dead. He had no prophet to speak into his life. But God's word had come through prophets to him. Because at that time, they didn't have scripture like we do so the man of god will come and tell you that say the lord and then you will do it but he had not also listened to someone someone also had died then now the urim and the thummim were oracles in the ark of covenant that you use to see what god is saying that once when he does god does not speak so he decided that he will go and look for the people that he had banned himself and he didn't say look for me a man said look for me a woman with a familiar spirit. And what is a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit knows enough about you, but not all. And then uses the bit that she knows to deceive you and mislead you. Hallelujah. A familiar spirit has some contact with the spirit world and has very limited knowledge and is even afraid. Because when you look at this woman, she said, um, you know what Saul has done. She didn't even know who the person was. She didn't know that Saul was Saul. So she was telling Saul, oh, you know what Saul has done. He has banned all the people. And then Saul said, oh, you just do it. You know? And then when she brought, she saw Samuel. She cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said, why have you deceived me? She does not even have the power to discern deception. And she herself is under a strong spirit of delusion and deception. 
So even Paul, Saul, who does not claim to have any spiritual power, is able to deceive her. So she says to him, you are the prophetess, you say you are the seer. And yet you say, why have you deceived me? But because she's able to have a little contact with the spirit where we are deceived as to the power the person has. And as to the power with which the person is operating, but it's actually not the spirit of God. Amen. Amen. And the king said, don't be afraid. But what do you see? And the woman said, I see a divine being coming out of the earth. Another verse says a God. I don't know what King James says. But she just sees a divine being, but she doesn't know what it is. And then she goes out to say, I see a man wearing a robe or a mantle. Then it is so who has to say that is Samuel. She could not recognize Samuel. Although, but she has a familiar spirit to know that oh, they're dead, I can breathe, but she does not have full control. And many of us, either we operate a familiar spirit, or many of us, in fact, most of us, these days, the modern Christianity, you are under the power of a familiar spirit. And because, like Saul, you don't dwell on the word, you know, you, rather, you don't have any foundation. There's no word in you. So when you are misled, you don't even know. And women just look at the crisis they have. They just look at their process. Oh, I'm going for a prophetic word. I'm going for a prophetic this. I'm going for And you are not growing. Because you can't live off ice cream all the time. You need real food to mature and to grow in the things of God. Right. Prophecy is from God. Divine things are from God. But it is not your mainstay. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. He has shown us how we will live. It's by every word. And many women fall prey to deception. And to other women and men with familiar spirits. Why? Because we are not grounded in the word ourselves. So anything we are told, we run with it. And so, you are married in the, in the, in the realm of the spirit. You are married to a demon. That can be possible. But where you are told, so strip naked and let me bring you a new wedding gown. By a man. And then, by a man. And then you are flowing. You have lost all your... You know, there was a women's program on television in Ghana and they were showing how women have been so gullible and some of them have gone to sleep in the pastor's house. Some of them are removing their clothes at a riverside. It was so pathetic. So pathetic. But it is because we don't want to sit down and read the word. We want instant coffee, instant tea, instant word, instant growth. It's not like that. The Bible says that we are changed from his image from glory to glory. It doesn't happen in a day. But as you eat daily, man lives by bread. But not bread alone, but by the word of God spiritually. You grow from strength to strength day by day that's why we pray give us this day our daily bread there's a daily bread that's supposed to sustain you and when you don't eat it something goes wrong hallelujah she says i see a man with a rope she doesn't even recognize the man but you have come with all your future to be determined by this person how can such a person lead you she will give you some truths, but she will not give you all the truth. And that's how Satan works. When he came to Jesus, he quoted scripture. 
So he said, uh, the, the Bible says, he shall give his angels charge over you, and uh, you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Even Satan knows that it's necessary to learn scripture. But the children of God have no time. When you are fighting every day, it's with insults and things. When instead of fighting with verses, you fight with insults, slander, things you have not seen because the person is annoying you. You have lots of unnecessary things and sometimes the insults rhyme. <laughs> Amen. But if you would take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you will say like Jesus, it then quotes to you. And you say, you know what? You shall not tempt the Lord your God because scripture balances scripture. You have come. You said I should just throw myself so that if the angels are there, I won't test God. Because it's not somebody to be tested. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. He said, okay, uh, if you are really the son of God, then worship me. He said, you shall worship only God. He only shall you serve. But some of us, if Satan says, turn into bread, he said, eh, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And, and, and when you are hungry, you don't need a book. You don't need a CD. You don't need a DVD. You don't need a car. You need bread. Uh, so after 40 days, I'm sure God understands. But Jesus said, you know, it's not just bread. There's some other kind of bread that gives me sustenance. May the Lord help you. And the Lord deliver you from women with familiar spirits. Amen. Verse 14, and Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and did homage. And then Samuel said, why have you disturbed me? By bringing me up. You see, they see into the spirit world. And they have some form of doubling in the spirit world, like psychics. But in actual fact, they don't have that control. Do you understand? So Samuel says, why are you disturbing me? And Samuel says that, if God has not listened to you, why are you coming to think that I, I would do something? So because Paul says, God has not listened, I've done this, and I, I don't know what to do. Verse 6, and someone said, why then do you ask me? Since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary. Why do you think that if God is not speaking to you, I can speak to you? Why do you think so? If the Lord has departed, he has departed. It's not now you are coming to call me because you believe in things you can see. So you have come to the witch so that she can conjure me up so that you can see me. But if you didn't listen to the Lord by faith when you heard, it's not your seeing me that's going to make any difference. We walk by faith, not by sight. Hallelujah. Hmm. And then someone doesn't say anything. You say the Lord has done according to what he told you. Verse 17, the Lord has done accordingly as he spoke through me. For the Lord has turned the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. And you did not obey the Lord. All these things have happened already before Samuel died. You did not obey the Lord. You didn't ex execute his fierce wrath on Amalek. You did as you please. Someone has to remind you. Well, he has already told you in real life. But when it comes to the form of a spirit, you may hear. Why are you calling me? There's nothing new. Why are you running from place to place to go into a certain realm or a certain spirit where thinking that they are so powerful? Why? When I have already dealt with these issues with you face to face and through God's word. Why? 
Like for some of us, we have even gone to take prophets full time. Yes. You see, many years ago, my mom was sick. And her mother had just passed away. And she was feeling the same pain in her knee that her mother had felt. So she told me about it. I prayed with her. And I gave her some Kenneth Hagin books on healing to read. That time I was in the university. And once I came on holiday, I saw that my mother was now reciting some psalms. And I told her, just read the word and confess it to yourself. You'll be okay. Before I knew, she said, we're going somewhere to buy fish some morning. And then on the way to the fish or after the fish, we ended up in a prophetess's house. And I didn't even know it was a prophetess. So I was just sitting in the room before. And then she went in. And then the prophetess came out. Ooh, is this your daughter? And the person went in. And my mother came and said, Oh, she said you should come. I said, I'm not coming in. So why? I said, somebody who says, say some 35, turn round and throw a coin. I'm not coming. There's nothing like that in scripture. Say, you, since when did you know so much about the Bible? Huh? This one, she's not uh, an evil one. She's a familiar spirit, you know? So I said, I wouldn't come. And then the lady came to say bye-bye to us. So she stood in the corridor and then she told my mother, oh, as I told you, so we left. And when we started, my mother said, hmm. The woman has seen something very wonderful. And I said to myself, I'm not going to fall for this. So I didn't even ask her what. And she said, ooh. He said he saw she saw glory all round about you. I said, I know that already. My mother said, how can you say you know? It's all glory all about you. And then she saw a very beautiful wedding cake with a very nice man. You're going to get married to a nice man. That I even had a beloved. I said, I know. <laughs> And my mother said, how do you, everything you know? And I'm saying, so you even let me feel everything. I said, because I've been told this long ago. She said, really? Did you go for any prophetic I said, no. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. I said, I have a future and I have a hope. She said, so is that why you are saying? And I said, it's a surer word. I'm the one you are saying. Two weeks passed. Now, her knee was getting worse. She had gone to bring a prophet, a man. So the man came to the living room. And then my dad called me. So anyway, when it comes to spiritual things, this is our daughter that we call. So this man, well, my dad said, I don't want to interfere with people's faith. But uh, this man said that he has to come and stay here. And then every morning, he will bring some prophetic prayers and my dad said, that's not my faith, but if it's somebody's faith, I wouldn't stand in the person's way. Then I was quiet. But my dad asked, what do I think? I said, oh, God can reach us without somebody coming to stay here. <laughs> then my dad told the man, this is my daughter, she's in scripture union. And the man said, the scripture union ones, they are a bit problematic. <laughs> so there I saw my mother tell it, okay, so tidy the room and do this and that. I just went into my closet and I was praying. Then I came and told my mother, the type of presence you have in your house affects your household. So this person should not come here. He should not come here. He says that, you know, he's just going to say prayers. He doesn't have anything. He's just prayers and prophetic. But I said, he doesn't have to come and stay in our house for any prophetic whatever. So the man left. And then I told my mom, just read the Bible, the verses, 
and the whatever. And the man said, okay, then I'll be coming daily. Even if your daughter doesn't want me to leave your soul, I'll be coming daily. Then my dad, some days passed, my dad came from work. They started to call me from upstairs, mommy, mommy. When I went, it was my mom in tears. And she said, I just decided to take the Hagen book and read God's promises about healing. And immediately something went through me and I'm healed. <laughs> and I just, I feel so bad at the things that I have done. Gone here, gone to bring this man. I feel so bad. Will God forgive me? And my parents, when I was young, I could tell them, let's kneel down and pray. And then they would just kneel down. Like dominoes, you know, they just go down. <laughs> and then I prayed with them. And my mom said, will God forgive me? I said, God will forgive you. He knows that it was in your frustration and your helplessness. What I'm saying is that it's frustration and helplessness that leads us into wrong hands. And leads us into seeking things that we should not seek. Things that God has already told us, we don't see it as real. I believe in prophecy. And my life has been affected by prophecy. But I'm saying that don't go chasing it as your mainstay. In life, let God himself, the Bible says, and the word of God came to Isaiah saying, let the word come to you. Instead of you, from here to here, from here to here, and then when you get the prophecy to you, don't become a better Christian. We don't see. We don't see what you are becoming. May the Lord deliver us from a familiar spirit. Amen. Verse 80, you did not obey the Lord. Verse 90, moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. And you know, Saul was so focused on the spirit world and what was happening that he never repented. With David, as soon as the prophet God came and said, a man had this, that, 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 and then somebody, he had so many sheep, and somebody had one, and he took the one from that person. You see, when they were, if they were telling him, he couldn't see it, and most of us are like that. Our own faults, we can't see. That's why we use rose-colored glasses. But other people's faults, we use magnifying glasses so they can be magnified. Amen. <laughs> so then, when the thing was given as a parable, he said, hey, that person must surely die. Where is he? Bring him. He said, that person is you. When Nathan said that, he repented immediately. But Saul, when he was told that, he didn't repent immediately. He rather lost hope. He fell down on the ground. And many of us, even when the word of God, we don't change. We just become emotional. You fall down, then the next day you go to the battle where they said you die. And you die. And you never ask God for his mercy. Or for repentance. Or for change. It doesn't come. And many of us are like that. And that is why we went into the woman's place. So, the, familiar, the woman with the familiar spirit cannot help you to salvation. Cannot help you to repentance. Cannot help you to the place where you should be to connect with God. They just show you things that are familiar around you. But it does nothing. You know, I don't know if you know, Bishop has told the story of a preacher who could see. And then he would say, that, I see your diamond ring in a drawer. It costs this and that. God says, give it to me. <laughs> so I see the diamond ring is true. The, the drawer is true, but go and bring it. <laughs> Amen. But we look at uh, one is true, two is true, three must be true. That's how Satan works. So may we be delivered from women Amen. with a familiar spirit. Amen. Amen. A woman with a f sorrowful spirit. First Samuel. One. 
1 Samuel 1. Read it from verse 12. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. New American Standard says, Oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the Lord God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. Amen. The Bible says, Hannah went to the temple in prayer. And the burden was so much that her lips were moving, but there was no voice. You know, sometimes they say you are, um, I was so surprised. I was speechless. I was tongue tied. I was, you, you don't even know what words to say. And this is a very deep type of prayer where she was just using her lips. And as Eli looked, this woman is drunk. Hannah said, no, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. What had given her that sorrowful spirit was depression. Amen. Amen. And there are many women of a sorrowful spirit in our times. They are Christians, they are born again, but they are of a sorrowful spirit. And what had led to Hannah's sorrow was something she could not control. Something greater than her. And when there's something you can't control, you get frustrated. And when you get frustrated, you don't have an answer. It just keeps mounting up within you. And then before you know the passage of time, it has become something heavy in your spirit. And you become a woman of a sorrowful spirit. And I said that was not enough. There's somebody else to stir up that sorrow. The Bible says about Penina, her rival, that she provoked her. To make her fret and to make her weep. And so Hannah said that it is out of the abundance of my concern and my provocation that I have spoken. Amen. Amen. But one thing was, she was just staying in the place of provocation. She was not doing anything about it. And it was getting worse and worse. And so by the time she came to the temple, she was a woman of an oppressed spirit. So it starts with sadness. But later, it becomes an oppressive spirit because it oppresses you, it sits on you, and it controls you. Hallelujah. And even to the point that she was now describing herself as a woman of a sorrowful spirit. New American Standard says oppressed because that sorrow moves from just mere sadness and becomes an oppression. And why was she in that state? Because of her childless state. <laughs> Things that you, you can't conjure. You can't say, happen now, happen tomorrow, happen next month. You can't say that. And that thing leads to frustration. 
And many times, instead of going into God's presence, you see, when you go, she said that out of the abundance of my complaint, out of the abundance of my sorrow, I have spoken. So sometimes we speak, but we don't speak out of the abundance of the sorrow. Maybe the sorrow is at level 10 and you speak at level 2. Because the Bible says that when you actually share what is within you, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But we never tarry in his presence to get to that place or to get to that level. We just come and we say, let me just complain. That's level one. <laughs> okay, I come. I'm a, of a sorrowful spirit. Out of the complaints I have, Lord, this thing is very hard and you really have to help me. And, but it should be out of the abundance. The magnitude of the sorrow should determine the magnitude of the tiring in his presence. We don't get results because we don't tarry long enough. And we are so concerned about the sorrow more than the complaint. Amen. But the Bible says, have no anxiety. But in everything, not in some things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, it didn't say that, let your requests be made known unto God. And then he will give you the answer immediately. No. But the peace of God comes after the request has been made known. Not after the answer comes. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, that was a hard lesson for me. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God. I said, ah, but after the request, there must be an answer. But he says, that's not your lookout. After the request, I give supernatural peace. Amen. But he says, have no anxiety. Be careful for nothing. It didn't say be careful for some big things. Be careful for some things I know really are hard. Be careful for nothing. But in everything. And we don't pray about everything. We complain more about everything by nature. Now this is very annoying. This is very... But in everything. By prayer. And we only get to prayer, but we don't get to supplication. In everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is asking him to supply supplication. And then thanksgiving. We don't even get there. We just pray, 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 and we get up. But prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. He has given us the three-barreled solution, but we don't take it. And so it's not out of the abundance. It's out of the quarter, out of the half, out of the third. You speak, and that's prayer. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. How can I give thanks? What will I give thanks for? Give thanks for the fact that he's sovereign. Give thanks for the fact that he knows what he's doing. Give thanks for the fact that he knows how to bring you through. Give thanks for the fact that he will give you strength to carry you through. If you even look at Jesus, you may say that not all his prayers were answered. But he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. That was his request. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So there must be a nevertheless. But many of us, we don't want to pray that part. You know? But for the cup to pass, would have totally destroyed his purpose. But for his will to come, led to the resurrection. 
Hallelujah. Out of the abundance of my complaint and provocation, have I spoken. Don't speak out of the emotional and then it's over. Then it's okay. You just get up in everything with prayer and supplication. I think that God hears tears because the Bible says about the people of Israel and the Lord heard their groanings and their cryings. So weeping is a, it's a weapon. It's a blessing. Amen. Amen. Let your request be made known unto God. That is how to overcome a sorrowful spirit. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. When you get to thanksgiving, you begin to look for things to thank God for. Hallelujah. Many of us, you know, some people, you would listen, you, you, you hear it on the pastor's wife's conference, whatever. I said 10 things, 10 good things about your husband. Some people said, hey, I'll have 20. Some people say, I'll, I'll not have. I can't make even five. I think those ones didn't even come up to speak. They said, I can't find even two. Somebody said, I can find only one. I said, well, the list is 10. He doesn't have 10. He has half. Amen. But when you are praying, let's say about a difficult marriage, a difficult situation, and you get to Thanksgiving, there's something to, th- it will force you to look and thank God for something. Amen. Amen. You will thank God for something. Sometimes, even somebody to quarrel with is a blessing. You let the person be taken out of your life. You will wish that the person were there so that you say, why did you put your wet towel here? Why did you do this? Why did you, you know? But when the person travels, there's nobody. Your towels are aligned, your everything, and you are not happy. You are lonely. And then you say, ah, you know, I wish you were, my dad said that marriage is like a blanket. When you put it on you, you are hot. When you take it off, you are cold. So which one? (laughs) Amen. A woman with a sorrowful spirit. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Sometimes even you don't know what to praise God for. You take a sound, some hundred. And just, it's a praise song. Somebody also had a praise song and, and prayed that praise song. So you begin to pray that praise song and you will be surprised how healing will come to your sorrowful spirit. So don't sit in your sorrow. Hallelujah. Amen. But in your sorrow, be yourself. Hannah didn't come to the and say, who is observing me? Your prayer time is a private time. And you must be yourself before God. It's not the time to see whether it's my mascara scrap smashed. It's my makeup on. Then you don't, you are not, then you are not of a sorrowful spirit. Because when you are of a sorrowful spirit, some things don't occur to you. If it means you have to lie prostrate on your bedroom floor, lie prostrate. There are times I lie prostrate on my bedroom floor. Oh, my husband has gone for healing Jesus crusade. And I need to pray about, oh, I just feel free. I lock my door. I put on my music and I just cry out to God. Sometimes I'm even in a crouched position, my head on the floor like that. I'm just need you when you can say, hey, then her problem is very big. What has happened? Sometimes it's just heartache from people's problems. I carry it with me home. And I have to tell God, God, you died for them, not me. Sometimes the situations are so bizarre. Say, oh my God, what are they going to do? And God has to remind me that He died for them, not me. And He cares for them more than I care about them. 
But there are times when I can almost roll from one end to the other out of the abundance of the sorrow and the complaint. I speak. I see people, they are going in a certain way. You are calling them, they are not listening. And I can see that this way that they are going. And you love them too. So it's not easy. Sometimes somebody comes and says, Lady Pastor, I've been diagnosed with HIV. And I was telling you, watch your lifestyle. Don't do this. Don't do that. God will give you power to overcome. You won't hear. But when your trouble too comes, I must go through with you. What can I do? I can't say you didn't listen, so just sit out there. No. You are broken. Something has to be done. And then if you are married, then that one too is another thing. And then I love your wife and I know her. So now what should I do? Out of the abundance of the complaint. I come to a place and say, oh, this one. Man cannot do anything about it. But God can do something out of it. Amen. A woman with a sorrowful spirit. I want to talk about the fair woman without discretion. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. I need a cue with the time. Proverbs chapter 11. <laughs> chapter, verse 22. Are we there? As a ring of gold in a swine's snout or a pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Amen. As a ring of gold in a pig's snout or a swine's snout, that's a, the nose of the pig. So it's a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. A new American standard says at a point, taste. Amen. Now, what is a gold ring doing in a pig's snout? A, the pig is one of the dirtiest and foulest animal you will ever see. And Jews don't even eat pork. My husband committed a blasphemous act by going to Israel and asking for pork in a restaurant. The look they gave him, he was not aware of it, you know. They said, what? Pork in Israel? If you ask for it in a Jewish suburb somewhere, but in Israel, and then he was saying, oh, why? It's a pig and juice. They don't mix. They don't go together. They say that polish a pig, grease a pig, it will always go back to the dead. A pig is not, whatever you do, it is used to dead, things that are not nice, that I cannot describe, foul things, filth. That's what a pig is used to. And then you take your precious thing, a gold ring, and you put it in the snout of a pig, it will not even make a difference to his looks. <laughs> Amen. So it's something valuable that you have put on a foolish thing. And so in the end, that thing will lose its value. And so it's a fair or beautiful woman who does not have discretion. You are beautiful. You just have the natural attributes. If we tell you to go for Miss America, you may win because your vital statistics are 
42, 52, and 80. Amen. And all you do is to just meditate on your beauty and your physical appearance. But discretion is exercising good judgment. Having a sense of taste or restraint is, you see, discretion is, you don't just come. You are discreet, you know, you, you hold yourself back a little. And you, you, you judge rightly, you look at things and then you judge, should I do this or I shouldn't do this? Based on what God's word says, based on the spirit of God working, you, 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 you don't just come to happen. You know, oh, I was going home and then I was late. So I went to Andrew's house. Andrew, shifts. Let me sleep by you. You are without discretion. <laughs> so, but lady pastor, nothing happened. A good sense of judgment. A woman without discretion. You are in the church. You have called with everybody. And the unfortunate thing is that the pastor was taken in by your beauty. So you are the one he married. And the whole church is at stake. Because of you. And these are things I've seen. I knew a pastor's wife. Every Sunday, she holds people by the shirt. Hey, you. At a point, she even tore the person's buttons. She will face you fully. Over anything. Hey, who told you to lay that table that way? Who told you? And the whole thing is here. Come here, come here. She doesn't care where she is. You see, discretion, you just manifest. You just insult. You just, so you are fair. But you are without, you are like a pig with a gold ring. We cannot value the ring on you. We cannot make anything precious look good on you. Everything precious we must take away because you will destroy it. Amen. You are somewhere, when you come, you are in a mood. Your mouth is like a pig snout. <laughs> Why are they using me for examples? Why do they, you know? Mrs. Saki used to say, I hope when we get to heaven, we'll be given rewards for all the examples we have been used for in preaching. Things that are us and things that are not us. <laughs> Amen. And every time I remember, I feel like asking, how is it there? Are you getting the rewards? You know? Because Reverend Saki will stand and say that, as for me, my marriage, I don't quarrel at all. Every problem is from my wife. <laughs> and we just laugh. And then the church members will be looking at us. It's like, hey, how does she feel? How does... But if you think, you know that is not true. <laughs> but if you don't think, you will receive it. Just before I came, I met the university students. And one of them put up and said, I want to ask a very personal question. Lady Pastor, how do you feel when... You are giving us an example. I said, like what? <laughs> he said, um, like, you know, I was listening to the London camp. And Bishop was saying that when he has to wait for you, he will be late. So he has to go. So he leaves you at home, whatever. So how do you feel about it? I said, ah, but is this something to feel something about? I even thought about it. <laughs> and then I asked him, ah, why is this something to feel? He said, well, I'm asking because I'm not yet married. But... When I use my beloved small for an example, it's not easy for me. <laughs> so you're asking the question for yourself. I say, well, many times the things are not even me. But as soon as the pastor says, 
You see, you, some women, they do say, ah, he's talking about his wife. Some women, you see, when they eat, you get diarrhea. say, the wife doesn't know how to cook. Hey, some women, it was, hey, this woman is really giving her husband trouble. Hey, do you know my verse that I go with? The testimony of God is greater. I receive not testimony from man, for the testimony of God is greater. Amen. And that will help you to have discretion. Hallelujah. And when I am preaching, I see my husband. Cross his leg. Put it cross. You know? And the once I asked him why, he said, oh, I'm very nervous. I said, really? The shoe goes on the other foot only twice a year. And you are nervous. What should we also say? A beautiful woman without discretion is not an asset. She's a liability. And most of us, we spend all our time beautifying the outward. But the inward, nothing. Eh. Our spirit man, eh, it has diarrhea. It has marasmus. It's malnourished. But the physical body, we spend so much time on it. All our effort. You know? If you see a skirt, you can go to the shop. And as a where is this skirt? The code number is this. Please call your other outlet and see where that one. <laughs> on which one? Yeah. Thank you, Gloria. <laughs> you will do everything to get that skirt. When you are making up your face, some of you, it takes such a long time. But to spend time in the presence of God, no. You go and do weave on eight hours. And you don't say, let me look at my time. Hey, it's really a waste of time. This is, but if the service of God, they ask you for just one hour. So in this church, they can really use people. Too much work. Every time. Well, because you are a beautiful woman without discretion. All your investment is in natural beauty. Physical beauty. But the woman of great price is the one who has a meek and quiet spirit. And she is of great price in the sight of God. And the most important place is in the sight of God. A woman without discretion, without good judgment, she behaves anyhow. She does not know the difference between male and female. <laughs> she does not draw any line in her relationship. She just flows. She wears anything because she lacks sense of judgment even in her dressing. The world dresses like that. She will also dress like that. A woman without discretion, she does not think before she acts. She acts because that's how she feels like acting. Like a ring of gold in the snout of a pig. So it's a woman without discretion. And discretion comes from spending time with God. Discretion comes from seeing. You see, the Bible says all his judgments are right. The judgment is the sense of what is right and what is wrong. That comes from God. The judgments of God are right. It means that it's not just judgment that condemnation. You've done this. But judgment as to which way to go. What to do. How to behave. How to comport myself. is all discretion. The Bible says the older women should teach the younger women to love their husbands. To love their children. To be discreet. It's one of the things. To be discreet. Discreet in your speech. You talk too much. And in the end, you end up lying. Because the Bible says, in the multitude of words, there lacketh not lies and sin. Amen. So as you speak, you speak things you haven't seen. You say you have seen. And you have to make the thing nice. A fair woman without discretion 
It's like a ring of gold in the snout of a pig. I pray that you will learn discretion. I pray that you will learn discretion even in, in, in your relationship with other people. Even fellow women, you don't have to contribute to everything that's being said. You know, even as a pastor's wife, you don't have to lack discretion. You, you take any friend that you want because you, know, you need discretion. And you can't just come and just um, run your husband down and after that you go and marry him. You see, once a lady came to my mother for counseling and then I was just hovering around the carpet at the bike could hear. My mother was saying that, Mr. So-so-and-so, every time you come here, insults for your husband. I want to say that you are the one who is not uh, correct. I was surprised. And the woman said, hey, Mrs. Ben, why are you saying? My mother said, because for you to describe this kind of man and then you go back and marry him, then there's something wrong with you. So the best thing is, don't talk too much. <laughs> you understand? And when you, you plead your case first, you always seem right. You see, and some things may even be true, but you don't come and wash your dirty linen everywhere. If you're going for pastoral counseling, it's different, but this man, you see him like that. You think he's spiritual. He's this, he's that, he's that. When you do that, a man runs away from you. A man comes where he's celebrated and admired. Not where he's fought and brought down. He will run away from you. The Bible says it's better to be in the corner of hell than in a large palace with a contentious woman. And then it's like dropping on the... You lack discretion. Only you, everybody knows how bad your husband is. And you feel that he's Satan. But the only reason is you don't have discretion. Amen. Everybody has challenges in their lives. But everybody manages it differently. <laughs> I was talking to a guy who had lost his wife. And then he had married somebody else. So I was saying, did your first wife have these problems with you? That your second wife cannot stand at all? He said, we had the same problems. The only thing is she managed it better. <laughs> Amen. The same, because it's the same person you are marrying. And he's manifesting your But when she saw him from afar, she knew the first wife. I think she thought that it must be a very easy uh, type of marriage. But when she came in and she saw the issue, she said, hey, as for me, I will not stand for this. That then. You lack discretion. Amen. You cannot talk here, talk there, talk there. And after that, expect the person to function normally. You can't do that. You know? And some women, the things they tell me, it's so bad. Ben Saki said, somebody said, Pastor, have you seen the devil before? I said, no. He said, come and see my husband. <laughs> Another time in church, uh, um, they said, turn around and say, um, have you seen my wife? Come and see an angel or something. They said something. And then my cousin was in the service. So she turned to say that. And she said, hey, this woman, as soon as I tell her, this particular woman, it will become an issue. So she didn't. But the husband turned and said, no, they said, say something nice to the person. After this, have you seen my husband? Come and see her. So she, the, she decided that she would not say anything to the woman. But the husband turned and said, have you seen an angel? Come and see my wife. And later, there was a big beast. Eh, the reason why she, he was saying that is that, as for me, I'm not an angel, isn't it? From the preaching, no. come and see it, it's me. But the angel is his wife. 
And she's an elderly woman. Issues. You know? And sometimes people don't know, so they come to me and say, um, this woman is really having problems in the church. So sister mommy, if you could speak to her, whatever. I said, who? I already know when they are talking, who? And when they say, I say, oh, okay. And I, I flow with her fully. And I say, hey, you, you're in the church. Why is this? Why is that this? Why is the one this convention? I said, oh, I don't know. Because the church is so big. There are different departments. So I didn't know that this is what was going on. You don't know. How can you be the president of the church? I said, is there a president <laughs> in the church? How can you be a president and then you say that you don't know? You can't say that you don't know. Look at what happened. All the issues are true, but anything, she makes contention out of it. Anything that's a, so I just don't. And my husband will say, hey, I saw you speaking with this woman for a long time. I say, yes. I say, you can flow with Muligano's people cry. <laughs> I said that because I've made up my mind that as for quarreling, never. So she said, you say you don't know. Are you not the president? I said, there's no post like president. Eh, even I'm telling you, I said, okay, I appreciate your comments. Thank you. And then I just move. I can see that the person is looking for opportunity. Another woman called me and said that this woman, the way she talks is not good. Say, husband, this, husband. And I know the story. And I know what she has done to her husband. That many men cannot even forgive their husbands for. But she doesn't say that part. You know, I've suffered. And he this, and he that, and he that. So I just listen. I said, you know, the solution is just to wipe the slate clean and start all over again. Say, eh, but wiping the slate clean is not easy. And so that's why we have God. You help us. You put us over the greater one. You help us to do what we cannot do. Uh, is that what you will say? That's what I will say. That's what I will say. She likes and she has spoiled her husband's reputation. But now it's turning back because people are saying, mm. somebody came to me, please tell this woman never to talk to my wife again. I said, why? I said, but when my wife meets her, no, she becomes something else. I don't want her to fellowship with my wife. I said, but tell her, hey, when I tell her, it's too busy. Another guy was going through a divorce, said that I put the blame solely at the feet of this woman. I said, why do you say that? She said, because she calls my wife. He says, mass for men. You see, when they say that and she's elderly, so everybody thinks. But a fair woman without discretion. They just look at age and say, she's wise and she's experienced. But experience is not the best teacher. The word of God is the best teacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, total lack of discretion. But when you see her in her sports, hey, it's not easy. <laughs> she has put her, she has done her this. And she has, I've told people, they are her friends moving. I told one of the sisters, as you are receiving her stew every day, know that trouble lieth at the bottom. So, how can you say that? She's very serious. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying, get ready. Oh, a few weeks after the person came and said, get ready, get ready, get ready. I said, what? <laughs> the beast. <laughs> it's not easy for me. So the lady had dressed and she commented, that, oh, your heart. Your heart is so nice. And it's so rude. You know, it's, it was a certain way. So that's what they say in her house. So she said, oh, your heart is rude. So, uh -huh. Can I see you? <laughs> you see, why do you describe my... Other elderly people have called me and said that this woman should not be allowed to advise people. I said, it's a church. She's not a counselor, but people see her age, her demeanor. She looks very, 
And then they use her as a standard. And when I told my husband, I said, okay, I'm going to announce from the pulpit that she's not an official counselor. I say, you can't do that. People know the official counselors, but if she wants, I mean, total lack of discretion. And if I didn't know the whole story, I would have thought that her husband was Lucifer. But I don't think so. And she knows I don't think so. And I can see that person is always looking for avenues to quarrel with me. And I'm also always coming out. Coming out. Coming out. A fair woman. Without discretion. You can destroy a whole church because you lack discretion. You get up. You just manifest. A lady in a church that my husband has preached in before. Large church. Doing well. And then the man lost his wife. Married again. It looked like normal. Now the church is zero. It's finished. It's finished. And as my husband wife said, hey, they said that if you're on staff and you do anything, she slaps you. I mean, not an African church. She slaps you like when she meets you, the husband secretary, hey, why didn't you respond? <laughs> and the husband was also holding on to, you know, you must not divorce your wife. You must not, but it doesn't mean you must not correct her. So all the associates who have been there for more than two decades, they've all left. The whole church is there. So you need just one woman without discretion. She will destroy everything. So ladies, we have to be careful. And we are always things about ourselves, selfishness, our thoughts. You know, people ask me, so how do you survive? And they don't tell me what they are talking about. So how do you survive? How do you manage what? How do you survive? Survive what? And then I just say, okay, if you are talking about the ministry, is that what you are talking? I said, Paul said, I die daily. And I can tell you that I die daily. Because the things that people bring up, if you are going to sort them out, and the way people behave, the total lack of discretion, if I was going to slap, then my hands would not be there anymore. But the Bible says, you know, the battle is the Lord's and not yours. The Lord will fight for you. The Bible says our weapons are not carnal, but your hands are carnal. So as you use them all the time, it brings problems. I mean, it's not easy to be a pastor's wife. It's not easy to share your husband with 500 branches. Do you understand? And it's not easy when the people don't even show that they appreciate what you are doing. You know, but all that you cannot take all that and become bitter, you will be destroyed. But the Bible says about the virtuous woman, let her works praise her. Amen. Your works will rise up and they will speak for you. You don't have to take a mic and say, You know, I'm a very important person in the church, I do this. When we move to the Kodesh, many times I'm sent away from the gate because they don't know me. They are Bible students and they are not all from Lighthouse. So they are the ones manning the gates. So when I get there, then they close the gates. No space. Go. <laughs> Listen to more of it on the pastor's wife's conference. It's on it. And, you know, I could also come out and say, you know, when the church was started, where were you? Do you know why? Do you know what the church is? So I just sit with my children. My children say, oh, mommy. Paula will say, mommy, what did they say? He said, we should go back. I said, yes. And then I just wait a few minutes and invariably the head Asha will come. And he has been in the church for a long time. Then he will say, oh, no. But every time they make that mistake. (laughs) Every time. You know. So I just go quietly. 
and then I go and park. But it's not funny when you go and then and they do it with zeal. <laughs> but I know people who have been moved and it's like, we are leaving the church. Why do you move us from where we are sitting? Why do you do that? We are leaving. And if I were to follow these things, I would have left the church long ago. A fair woman without discretion. I have met people who have rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I've told you that story, I don't know, on some of the tapes. I went and I said, oh, hello, are you new in the church? You're now joining and all that. And okay, so where do you live? And, and then I said, oh, would you like to be part of a ministry? I mean, why? I'm telling you, you're coming to tell me that. Hey. <laughs> it was easy for the girl faced me fully. <laughs> and that morning, I didn't even feel like talking. You know, there are some days you don't feel like talking, but I said, well, let me just do deep sea fishing. The person faced me fully. So I was just quiet. And then I went into the service and all that. Days passed. Months or maybe a year. And then Mrs. Hadi brought the person. So there's a lady who needs a lot of help. And uh, I want her to see you. So, so she brought the lady. And they sat down. I said, oh, have a seat. And Mrs. Hadi said, oh, this is, this is, I mentioned her name. Oh, this is. I know her two names, so I mentioned. And the lady said, hey, lady person, you remember me? I said, how can I forget you? <laughs> how can I forget you? And as they sat down, I said, okay, so what's your problem? So she has four children. Her first child is autistic. And the Lord told me then that this woman is frustrated. It's not about you. She's just a frustrated person. So she, her first child is, uh, is autistic. There are no schools at that time. And they don't know what to do, whatever. So she thought that she could come to you. And so I spoke to her and I prayed with her. It wasn't by the grace of God an effort. It was easy. Because when you, you live above these things, you rather pity people. You don't get angry with them. You pity them that their lives are so broken. They have so many issues. And they see you, you know, every day you come Sunday to church. They come and see this. This woman, her life is perfect. Look at her nice husband, her children. No, her life is perfect. And why am I suffering this? So she hasn't contributed to it, but you resent her for it. So you have already resented her. And then when she comes to say hello, <laughs> but it's actually her problems and her frustration. May you not be a fair woman without discretion in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk about the wise woman. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1. And I need a cue for time eh, so that I know when to stop. Proverbs 14 verse 1. You people like stories. The wise woman built her house but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. The wise woman built her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Okay, now let's look at two wise women. Second Samuel chapter 14. This is Proverbs 14. One. We are going to Second Samuel chapter 40. So go back, okay? Okay. <laughs> 
Remember, Samuel was there before they asked for a king. So. Read it from verse 1. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was inclined toward Absalom. So Joab sent to Tekwa and brought a wise woman from there and said to her, Please pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning garments now and do not anoint yourself with oil, but be like a woman who has been mourning for the dead many days. Then go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put the words in her mouth. Now when the woman of Tekwa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. And the king said to her, What is your trouble? And she answered, Truly I am a widow, for my husband is dead. And your maidservant had two sons. But the two of them struggled together in the field, and there was no one to separate them. So one struck the other and killed him. Now behold, the whole family has risen against your maidservant. And they say, Hand over the one who struck his brother, that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed, and destroy the heir also. Thus they will extinguish my coal which is left, so as to leave my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. And the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekwa said to the king, Oh, my lord, the king, the iniquity is on me and on my father's house, but the king and his throne are guiltless. So the king said, Whoever speaks to you, bring him to me, and he will not touch you anymore. Then she said, Please let the king remember the Lord your God, so that the avenger of blood may not continue to destroy, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please, please let your maidservant speak a word to my lord the king. He said, Speak. And the woman said, Why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in speaking this word, the king is as one who is guilty in that the king does not bring back his banished one. For we shall surely die and like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away life, but plans ways, so that the banished one may not be cast out from him. Now the reason I have come to speak this word to my lord the king is because the people have made me afraid. So your maidservant said, let me now speak to the king. Perhaps the king will perform the request of his maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who will destroy both me and my son from the inheritance of God. Then your maidservant said, Please let the word of my lord the king be comforting. For as the angels of God, so is my lord the king. <laughs> to descend good and evil, and may the lord God be with you. Then the king answered to the woman, Please do not hide anything from me that I am about to ask you. And the woman said, Let my lord the king also speak. Then the king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? And the woman answered and said, As your soul lives, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right or to the left from anything. <laughs> that my lord the king has spoken. Indeed, it was your servant Joab who commanded me, and it was he who put all these words in the mouth of your maid servant. In order to change the appearance of things, your servant Joab has done this thing. But my lord is wise, like the wisdom of the angel of God, to know all that is in the earth. Then the king said to Joab, Behold now, I'll surely do this thing. Go therefore, bring back the young man, Absalom. Amen. Now the Bible talks about two kinds of wisdom. In the book of James, the Bible says that there's a certain wisdom that comes from the earth. And also there's a certain wisdom that comes from above. 
And we need to discern that kind of wisdom. I submit that this wisdom is the earthly kind. Because it uses deception, it uses flattery, it uses subtlety, it uses a way of presenting yourself in a way that you are not, so that you can achieve certain ends. So this kind of wisdom, I don't believe comes from God. And she kept saying, you are like an angel of God. My Lord, the King. And then she's given a parable that's not true. She never had two sons who had died anywhere. So she's looking at a lot of, she's using a lot of lies, deception, sensuality, flattery to achieve her aim. Amen. Amen. So it's a kind of wisdom, but it's not the wisdom that's from above. <laughs> but there's a certain wisdom that comes from above. And the Bible says there was also another wise woman. Everybody say another wise woman. So I want to distinguish between these types of wisdom. Okay? So let's read about the other wise woman. 2 Samuel 20 verse 16. And then we will launch out. 2 Samuel 20 verse 16. Let's read from verse 13. Because many of you don't know the Old Testament stories. So, <laughs> As soon as he was removed from the highway, all the men passed on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bikri. Somebody had been murdered. Now he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, even to Beth Makkah, and all the Berites. And they were gathered together and also went after him. And they came and besieged him in Abel, Beth, Maka, and they cast up a mound against the city. And he stood by the rampart, and all the people who were with Joab were wreaking destruction in order to topple the wall. Then a wise woman called from the city, Here, here, please tell Joab, come here that I may speak with you. So he approached and the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, Listen to the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I'm listening. Then she spoke, saying, Formerly, they used to say, they will surely ask advice at Abel, and thus they ended the dispute. I am of those who are peaceable and faithful in Israel. You are seeking to destroy a city, even a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. Such is not the case. But a man from the hill country of Ephraim, Sheba the son of Bikri by name, has lifted up his hand against King David. Only hand him over, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said to Joab, Behold, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman wisely came to all the people, and they cut off the head of Sheba the son of Bikri, and threw it to Joab. So he blew the trumpet, and they dispersed from the city, each to his tent. Joab also returned to the king at Jerusalem. Now, Joab was over the whole army of Israel and blah, 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 blah. Okay? It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 243 1879000. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.